This is a team you guys lost to twice last year. Um, and you guys just turned the tables on them big time tonight. I mean, are you surprised by this effort? Not by the effort, not at all. I mean, it's always tough game one, and I knew they had a, you know, they had a lot of transfers come in, and a new quarterback come in uh, we weren't familiar with that they got from Culver City. So I like our guys. I've been saying that um, since we were together at Battle of the Beach. I like our guys. I like the vibe. You know, I like the way we, uh, we play together. Uh, obviously, the first half, you know, there were some struggles. We did some good things on both sides of the ball, and we are just looking for an opportunity, um, you know, on special teams. And, <laughs> we came in at halftime and um, made a few adjustments, not a lot, um, but a few. Um, you know, we told our guys how important it was to get three now uh, and start the second half because uh, we had to kick off, and we did that. And then obviously we had the block punt, and then things just started rolling from there. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tree League Orange County High School Football Podcast. I'm Dan Albano with the Orange County Register and OC Varsity, and joined once again by our insider, Scott Barajas. As we're heading to an amazing week one of the high school football season here, because you got some three really big time matchups this week, because it's California versus Texas, California versus Florida, California versus Nevada, because some of the top teams in SoCal and Orange County are taking on some out of state powerhouses, lots of national uh, interest in, in these matchups, some big trips for uh, some of our top teams here and uh that opening voice to our podcast that was jay sarah coach scott mcknight after the lions really impressive uh, week zero victory against sierra canyon scotty how you doing as we're heading to a really exciting and big week one of the season oh i'm just counting down the days till uh till we get this to uh watch these games or follow these games because they're all being played pretty much on the same night so you know everybody's going to have their one that they want to that they're going to be watching or you know some will probably be home streaming all three at the same time you know you know it's 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 probably probably the most watched weekend in a long time i think everybody's you know been talking about all of these uh big uh out-of-state matchups Yes, sir. It is going to be uh, pretty epic. Um, just a little reminder, um, you can follow the Train League OC football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, many listings like that. You can follow the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at TrinityFBPod on Twitter. So give us a like, give us a subscribe, uh, share our show with your friends, your hardcore football fans. So, Scotty um, and our listeners, thanks again for listening and supporting the show. Just to set the table, uh, tonight as we're recording our show on Monday, August 22nd, we're going to review some of the games that we previewed in Week 0, led by that pretty surprising and impressive Jay Sarah win um, against Sierra Canyon last week. And then we're going to preview the big games of the week in, in, in week one, including modern day Bishop Gorman, St. John Bosco taking on Allen, going out to Allen, Texas. How about Los Alamitos taking, going out to Florida, taking on American Heritage? Um, all these teams that we just mentioned, they're ranked in the top 20, excuse me, the top 50 uh, nationally in the, uh, by Max Preps, including several in the top 25. Bosco and modern day, of course, number one. Gorman, six in the country. American Heritage, 19. Los Alamitos, 25. And 
Allen, Texas checking in at 48. Lots of uh, big recruits on some of these rosters as well. But before we get to week one, let's talk about week zero, Scotty. And I want to start us with that Jay Sarah game. I took it in and it was Jay Sarah 31-17 over Sierra Canyon. Sierra Canyon ranked number one by the LA Daily News in preseason. Like I said, I thought Jay Sarah flying under the radar. And for the first half, down in San Juan Capistrano, Jay Sarah was chasing Sierra Canyon uh, throughout the first half. But they changed the game once again because they're known under Coach Scott McKnight, their special teams coordinator. Um, for, for many years, he's been their special teams coordinator. Now he's been their head coach the last two years. But they changed it, the, the, the game in the third quarter, with an early block of a punt by Jared Referente, a junior, and who also scored moments later on a, a touchdown reception from um, Xander Singh, the quarterback. And Jay Sarah exploded with some pretty impressive uh, plays. Um, two of the touchdowns scored in this third quarter, this pivotal third quarter, by sophomore running back George Perez. He had a lot of bursts. The Jay Sarah had a uh, rotation of running backs. George Perez is not a two-way player, of which Jay Sarah does have a few key two-way players. He's not one of them. He was fresh in the second half. He ran with fresh legs. He broke off a 60-yard touchdown run. He also caught a short touchdown from Xander Singh, who threw two touchdowns and rushed one. But Scotty, also important besides the special teams play, which Jay Sarah has been known for, and the fresh legs, this is what really mattered is that Jay Sarah was pretty physical and they, they pressured the quarterback of Sierra Canyon and they flew around on uh, on defense. Um, one kid who looked really impressive to me is a sophomore, number 10 defensive end, uh, Luke Webb. 6'2", 215, very active coming off the edge, had three sacks, um, and he plays with a lot of motion. Maybe he's something he's going to, as a young player, is going to work. He has to keep it in check a little bit. And, and Jay Sarah knows that. But he is a guy that they can work with. Um, I thought looked very active on defense. Um, and they had, they had several sacks, probably uh, around seven sacks and by a lot of different players. Um, I thought middle linebacker uh, Clarence Cheney looked very good. Uh, two-way lineman uh, Davis. Uh, I mean, Kanoa uh, Davis looked good. Uh, David Tulua uh, looked good as a um, two-way lineman. So they flew around uh, well enough on defense, and they ran the ball, and they didn't make too many mistakes. And Sierra Canyon um, struggled with, in, with special teams once again. But Scotty, um, 31-17, um, Jay Sarah outscores Sierra Canyon 24 nothing in the second half. What was your impression? What was your reaction to this uh this impressive J. Sarah opening. I mean, it was pretty much, I guess it was shocking in the fact that I, I thought, you know, J. Sarah manhandled, you know, the bigger Sierra Canyon. That's what was, what was more surprising because we knew what J. Sarah was bringing. We knew they were, they had a physical offensive line. We knew that, but we just wondered how it was going to stack up, uh, you know, to that bigger, you know, J. Sarah line, you know, but they controlled the line of scrimmage of that whole second half. You know, we, like he said, they set the tone, uh, you know, you know, getting that uh, Sierra Canyon offense to go three and out, you know, and then they blocked the punt. 
uh, right away on that next play, you know, seeing rolls out, he hits uh, Jared Ref- Referente in that flat for that 12-yard score. Defense gets another three and out. Offense comes back, gets another big throw on another rollout. Zing, you know, he kind of he was eluding the hat pass rush, and he hits, I think it was Pierce, Tangle, down the field for a big right. gain. You know, next play, another rollout, you know, and he hits George Perez in the back of the end zone, you know, and they in, in, in their own. 21-17, just like that. Momentum's all Jay Sarah at that point. Jay Sarah continued to harass the alternating Sierra Canyon QBs. You know, they kept Terrell Crooks, you know, the speedster in check. As you mentioned, you know, Luke Webb and I thought, you know, Clarence Cheney played a big part, you know, eliminating that Blaze Trailblazer offense. Um, you know, Webb had a, had a sack, and then later he had a big tackle for loss on a third down. Um, you know, then yeah. on, Jay, on a possession, you know, the next possession, Perez goes off tackle 60 yards, um, you know, and then the defense comes back on a fourth and two and stuffs uh, Sierra Canyon. You know, Jay Sarah then, you know, takes that turnover on downs. They drive it down to the 12-yard line. Um, you know, they turn it over on downs, but then they add that, you know, 20-yard field goal to cap off the scoring, you know, 31-17. And I know, you know, everyone's going to probably say that, you know, this may not be the biggest upset of the night because I know there was another game too. But, um, you know, I know Jay Sarah did what they had to do. You know, they came in and they won this game. They made the bigger plays. Which, But this is the other thing that's amazing. The Jay Sarah Steel guys, you know, they're all about 5'8", 150. They're no one bigger than like 5'10", or, or over 180. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, a, you know, kind of surprising, you know. But um, like we said, you know, they, they manhandled that that – Offensive line, which Jace, uh, Sierra Canyon's offensive line is the second largest offensive line. Only modern day has a bigger line. Um, and, um, you know, that, that I thought, you know, Jay Sarah, you know, would have an issue with, but they didn't. Um, you know, and it didn't help that, that Sierra Canyon was trying to find and settle its, uh, on a QB. Um, and they struggled. Um, they had no continuity, but, you know, Jay Sarah, didn't help because they were just getting after them. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, like I said, that's a great start for Jay Sarah. You know, they, they get Shamanad, I think, this week, who beat Oaks Christian 24-17. But, you know, like I said, you know, we I, I had Jay Sarah. You know, I wasn't surprised that they, they, that they won this game. I'm more surprised on how they did it, you know, in a dominating fashion, especially in that second half. Yeah, they got a good look from um... – Sierra Canyon because especially at the skills position too I mean uh, Sierra Canyon fit, uh, features um, like you mentioned some really good running backs um, Le'Veon Brown is a Colorado State quarterback I mean a Colorado State committed receiver who made a great leaping you know um, touchdown grab that was you know really impressive I think one of their receivers has since committed to BYU I think Um or they had another skilled player committed to uh, somebody over the weekend. Um, yeah, it was a good look. And it's interesting you mentioned, I thought the same thing, Scotty, about some of the, the sizes of, you know, Jay Sarah just plays hard. Um, one of the, They started out running back with Gabriel Kamara, 5'11", 165 junior. Um, I mentioned George Prez. He's 5'7", 180. Referende, uh, Jared Referente, 
Um, another junior, 5'9", 170. So those are the three running backs I just gave you that were kind of the main guys in the rotation. They're, they're not too big at wide receiver. Um, Josh Dordnell did have a kind of a quiet game. I think he might have been um, limited by to some degree, but... You know, you're talking about like Logan Christensen, good-looking sophomore, six foot one seventy, um, at wide receiver. You mentioned Pierce Tang uh, Tang Hall, five eight one seventy five. He gave him a spark with that fourth down catch. So, um, pretty interesting the way Jay Sarah played it, and they did get a good look, and it's really promising. Um, and like you said, they got a tough game this week against uh, Shamanad, same uh, Mission League as Sierra Canyon. So, um, but you know, another great game um, on Friday, Scotty. How about Orange Lutheran, 27-26. They had to rally themselves over Sierra of Gardena. And this was an interesting game. Um, you know, Orange Lutheran, they're trying to improve on defense. And they made some strides. Um, you know, 7-3 at halftime, pretty low-scoring uh, game. Uh, Sierra finished with 373 yards of total offense. And the 26 points. And on the offensive side, Orange Lutheran starts sophomore quarterback TJ uh, Latif. And they had a pretty heated um, quarterback competition um, over the summer. Uh, TJ emerges and was pretty active and did a pretty nice job. 20 of 38, 264 yards passing, two touchdowns. Antonio Barrera had a productive game at running back. Pretty big kid, uh, senior running back. 6'2", 225. He rushed for a TD, caught two uh, touchdown passes as well. But this was a, uh, you know, impressive, you know, win for Orange Lutheran because, I mean, they're playing a reigning state champion, a reigning southern section champion. We talked a lot about how this was Orange Lutheran Division II champion against Sierra, the Division Three champion. And here, Orange Lutheran, once again, for the second year in a row, opens up um, a win against uh, Sierra. What did you think of this one, Scotty? Yeah, this one was kind of a, a, a crazy game. Um, I, you know, we talked about Olu, you know, would be in this game if they could find some offense and limit and contain, you know, Sarah from making the big plays. And Olu did just that, you know, even though the score was close, you know, but I think on-field play, I think, mean, went to the Lancers. I mean, you know, though they didn't start out that way because the first play of the game, uh, you know, TJ, you know, Latif throws a pass. It's tipped at the line of scrimmage and Roger Pleasant drives the route, picks it and returns it for a uh, pick six. So they're up, you know, Sarah's up, you know, seven zero, you know, and it would stay that way after the first quarter. Um, you know, but Orange Luthan opened up its second quarter, you know, appeared, you know, a would be touchdown scramble by Latif. But then it was called back. You know, they had to settle for a Dieter. Uh, Kelly field goal, you know, both teams kind of exchanged uh, consecutive three and outs. And just when, you know, Sarah seemed to be getting the momentum, um, there was a fumble. Uh, Mason Johnson recovers a fumble. Um, you know, and the Lancers finally broke out of its three and out string. They moved it down into Sarah territory. They attempted a 42-yard field goal with five seconds left, but the snap was high and the colder couldn't get it down. So the half end, so it's 7-3. Then that first play of the second half, you know, Sarah looks like they're going to go on a on a run. Since here, Rainey goes forty seven yards up the middle, uh, and then on a fourth and four, Rainey scores a twenty seven yard touchdown run. So Sarah's up fourteen three. You know, on the next 
uh, Olu possession. They fumble the snap on Sarah's 22-yard line. And then a few plays later, Rainey goes up for another 12-yard score. Sarah misses the exit point, which is going to loom large down the road. Yeah. You know, Cavaliers are already up 20 to 3, just like that. You know, and, and, and you think that they were dominating, but Olu was pretty much still, ha- you know, handling, take away those two big runs. You know, Lancers come right back. They get two big back-to-back plays, a 20-yard pass uh, to running back, you know, Rex Barrera out of the backfield. And then junior quarterback John Gazania comes in and he throws a pass back to Latif, who goes in motion. Then Latif throws it back to Ganzania on the wheel route for like an 18-yard gain. A couple plays later, Latif dumps the ball off to Deuce Frierson uh, in the flat, and he straddles the sideline for a touchdown, but it's called back for holding. You know, so then Olu has to settle for a 33-yard field goal by Kelly, so they're up, you know, they're, they're down 20-6. to six. But then with six seconds left in the third quarter, Latif finds Barrera in the flat coming out of the backfield on a, for a seven-yard TD to cut the lead to 20-13. to 13. That dump off to the back in the flat was there all night long for the Lancers as about eight out of Latif's 21 completions were the dump off to the back or screen. Mm. So remember that for later. So on the ensuing kickoff, Olu pooch kicks. It bounces off a Sarah player who attempts to catch the ball. Keon Washington recovers for the Lancers at the 24-yard line. A few plays later, Barrera runs it in for a four-yard TD, and it's tied. 20-all with nine minutes, 23 seconds left in the fourth. With the 4-42 remaining in the game, Sarah QB, Jason Mitchell scores on a seven-yard keeper, but another mess, extra point is botched on the hold, so it's 26-20. With the 4-26, Olu takes that ball down to the 10-yard line on a drive that was aided by three PI penalties, which the last one, I put the ball down on the 10-yard line, which was a bad call. I know we've talked about PIs and penalties all last year and the year before, but that one was. The other two were you could call, but this one was bad. So, So it's first and goal with 234 remaining, in the game, but it takes Olu down to a fourth down play with 29 seconds left to score the game winner, which is on what was working all night long, Dan? Oh, the flat pass. There you go. Barrera coming out of the backfield in the flat, scores on, on a six-yard touchdown run, puts Olu up for the game winner, and then Mason Johnson puts the finishing touches with a sack fumble as time expires. So if you're a scoreboard watcher, it may look like this was a close game, but for the most part, Olu controlled this, this game. You know, take away those turnovers um, and that Lancer defense, which looks a lot more athletic and quick than the previous Olu defenses. They kept Sarah in check. Uh, minus those three big runs, Sarah couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, you know, some names to watch for, you know, going forward. Defensive yeah. end, Mason Johnson, linebackers, sophomore, Wallace, Filamilu. Freshman uh, Taloloa Ely were all over the field, um, you know. And then for the Olu offense, Latif was 21 out of 41, 271, two touchdowns and an intercept. But he was actually 15 of 18 during that comeback run. I know it was a lot of dump offs, but, you know, yeah. he, he, he gathered his composure after that tough start. Um, you know, and, and oh, it was said that Olu was supposed to go in rotating three QBs in this game, but... I guess Lati, he went the whole way, you know, and I think it's he's going to be the guy going forward. They're going to build off of what he can do. Um, they did have a hard time running the ball. They were limited to 38 yards rushing. Yeah. 
Um, but Deuce Frierson, you know, I think and Rex Barrera do do look like uh, that they're going to be a big force going forward. Uh, Barrera's 6'2", 220. Um, he was limited to 18 yards, but Deuce Farson, he came over from Mission Viejo, and I thought he was going to be a DB. He's, I think he's going both ways, but they've been using him on offense. He's actually their spread guy, I think, coming out of the backfield, um, you know, and he can move, so we'll have to, you know, keep a watch for him. You know, if Olu gets some offensive consistency, watch out, because they have really three good receivers to throw to. Caleb Marshall, he caught five balls, 71 yards. Jackson Wing and the transfer from Centennial, Conrad Hernandez. He only had two catches, but they were big games. And that looked like uh, Latif wanted to target, because he targeted him about eight times in this game. So, um, in all, like I said, you know, I, you know, watch out for Olu, you know, if, get the, if they get going. But um, that's what came out of this one. Yeah, what a what a comeback! What an exciting game! Um, and Orange Luton's got another uh, pretty tough one. I think coming up this week, um, maybe not as tough as Sierra, but they take they hit the road to take on uh, Upland, which also won its uh, opener. So um, that one could be pretty interesting. Now, Scotty, here is another uh, I think surprising score on Friday. I didn't see this one coming. But Santa Margarita, 18. San Juan Hills, 8. I honestly thought this was going to be a pretty lopsided game. Yes, we got the, the late word that uh, Jake Foye was not going to be available. The really strong running back for Santa Margarita. But they have some other running backs. Um, I was looking at that high-powered Santa Margarita offense. But San Juan Hills obviously played some great defense. Um, held... Um, Jackson Potter, 280 yards passing and one TD. And um, very low-scoring game. But on the flip side is Santa Margarita. They played great uh, defense as well because they held um, Michael uh, Tolfelson, the San Juan Hills promising sophomore quarterback, had 83 yards passing. He's a dual threat. He had 53 yards rushing um, to lead the Stallions as well. But speaking of that Santa Margarita defense, how about Jacob Bauer, senior Linebacker, 16 total tackles, which was a game high. There's a lot of good linebackers in this game. Obviously, Weston Port for San Juan Hills. Noah um, Sulik from Santa Margarita as well, a junior linebacker. Uh, he had 10 total tackles. Um, so there's some there's some good defensive players, but Bauer did uh, stand out. And um, one guy who debuted as part of that uh, Santa Margarita defense that did have five sacks uh, was Michigan commit. And uh, a pretty interesting story in Collins Achikpon, who had a sack and five total tackles. He is a, a player born in Ghana, in Africa, and he is last play. He's a foreign exchange student, last played varsity football as a freshman at Fairmont Prep, a very small school that doesn't even play football right now. And here's Collins uh, had a sack in his first game. And um, if you missed my story on him, uh, you can probably still find it on OC Varsity or uh, search my name or something on Google. You can read that story, but pretty inspiring kid. But, Scotty, back to the score. I didn't expect 18-8, to 10-point uh, margin. This is a very good result for San Juan Hills. I voted them in the top 10 um, based on playing Santa, uh, Santa Margarita so close. They're in the Seaview League. I'm sure they're ge- they geared up for this game. It was actually closer than last year's score. Um yeah, San Juan Hills has got some tough games coming up, 
um, in their non-league. But I got the Stallions in the top 10 for now. But this game did surprise me, Scotty. Yeah, you know, the score alone, like you said, is shocking. I think more shocking was the score at halftime, 5-0. You know, uh, yeah. the Santa Margarita got a safety, you know, from a botched punt and then a field goal by Mason Schuster. And that was all the scoring. You know, we were talking about the high-powered Santa Margarita offense. So it was just, you know, but there was a lot going on in this game. Um, you know, it was going to be challenging for San Juan to move the ball, you know, on this defense, you know, Michael Butter Tolson was going to have to. He's going to have to have a lot, you know, some help from his line and you know his skills. He wasn't going to be able to do it all by himself. But that Eagle defense kind of made it impossible. You know, they were in the backfield almost every snap. As you mentioned, they, they recorded the five sacks, two by Ben Durham, Denham, you know, and then Levat Tally, yeah. Ben Sulik, and then Collins Etchabong, you know, added another one. You know, the Santa Margarita offense had more than a few chances to put up its points. Um, uh, two times Santa Margarita had the ball inside the five yard line and came away with three points, all they could get. You know, do you chalk it up to a stingy San Juan Hills defense? You know, they did stuff the Santa Margarita run game. They held him to 38 yards rushing between four running backs. But yes, that was without Jake Foy. Um, you know, he was sick in this game. So we're going to have to watch and see how long he's going to be out and be able to come back. Um, San Juan Hills, you know, Allowed, you know, they didn't allow much downfield passing from Potter. Um, you know, there was one possession where Santa Margarita had a TD callback on a penalty. You know, they had to set up for a field goal, you know, after a long completion by Bain Eisenman down to the three yard line. You know, Santa Margarita then on that next play gets called for intentional grounding on third down. It makes it third and 28. Then they, you know, they complete the pass all the way down to the two-yard line to make it fourth and two, but only to get called for a holding. So it backs them all the way back up to the 48-yard line, you know, for a third down. They get a 12-yard gain, makes them attempt a field goal, which is no good. Then on the next drive, Donovan Camacho, you know, causes a fumble. They recover. Santa Margarita goes three and out, attempts another field goal, no good. But the Eagles finally get on the scoreboard, you know, in that second half on a one-yard sneak from Potter that was set up by another San Juan Hills bat snap from, the, you know, the punter luckily was able to escape out of the end zone. It gave Santa Margarita the back the ball at the 10-yard line, uh, and that's how Potter was able to score. The Eagles went for two. It wasn't, you know, no good, so that's where we get 11-0 from with 10 minutes left into the fourth. San Juan Hills actually comes fighting back with its biggest play of the game on a 40-yard screen to junior Colton Chase that takes him down to the 10-yard line. Two plays later, Butter rolls out and he hits tight end Brockler uh, in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. They go for two. It's good. So it's 11-8 with 6-58. You know, we have a ball game. You know, it's, you know, how close it is. You know, the Eagles leaving the door open for them to come back. Um, you know, they had to fight actually – through two consecutive third and longs. And, um, you know, the last one, Potter finally connects with Nico Lopez for a 36-yard gain with two minutes, 30 minutes, seconds left. Uh, two plays later, Potter finds a, a Emmett Mosley cutting across the field for an 18-yard touchdown, get the extra point. It's 18-8 with a minute 35, and that pretty much did it. Mm -hmm. So in all, I mean, it was a very sloppy game. Um, you know, Eagles had 14 penalties. Seven each in each half. You know, there were a lot of drop passes. Um, 
but the Eagles did show some promise, especially, like I said, with its defense. The defense looks much quicker. Jacob Bauer was tackling the machine, recording those dib- double-digit tackles. Collins Etchmion played very well. You know, We were wondering how he was going to play. He was all over the field. And another one that we want, we're, wanted to watch for is Tyler Parker. He didn't record a tackle, but he was kind of he was double teamed most of the night. But he was the reason, the one reason that allowed Bauer to get as many tackles as he did, and that's the dirty work that the nose guards have to do. You know, they yeah. allow us for the backers, you know, to roam free. They take up space. But you know, we'll continue to see how Tyler does because I didn't think the San Juan Hills offensive line was the most physical and dominating. So um, you know, that one we'll just have to go out and watch. You know, and then and then and then Potter. You know, he played all right. I mean, I know he was given player of the game. He was fourteen to twenty-one for one hundred eighty yards, one touchdown. But I think ten of his fourteen attempts were thrown for no more than ten yards. Everything was, you know, short. But you know, he managed the game. But you know, um, but they have Santa Maria has a lot to do to clean up. But I think that defense will be promising, and they showed a lot of different looks, Santa Margarita. Because I was, you know, I noticed a lot. Dominic Camestro, who was a top corner, he was. I didn't see him playing corner much. It seemed like he was playing all over the field. They lined him up in different spots. So, um, uh, but it's obvious that Santa Margarita's defense. Um, has a lot of speed, you know, and, it, and it's very encouraging in the turning to late to see Santa Margarita's defense and Olu's defense improve because those were two sore spots that we've seen in the last few years that have given up a lot of points. And, um, you know, that's something we're going to have to, you know, watch out for. Yeah. One of the guys, uh, one of our comments on Twitter um, from um, uh, Paulo uh, Benzin, uh, at uh, P. Benzin, uh, he mentioned um, a couple days ago after this game that San Juan Hills was missing two senior linemen, um, so with injuries. So talking about you know San Juan Hills was that close and they weren't full strength. Either was um, San Juan. Uh, either was Santa Margarita, but something to think about. Yeah, I know Benzo. They they said he's injured or he's he's one of the injured guys, and McDougal's the other one who I did not who did not play, and he's actually was probably their best. Uh, offense alignment now that you mentioned that yeah uh, ryan mcdougall yeah so um hey santa Margarita is probably gonna have to play uh quite a bit better because this week they play host to norco on friday at saddleback college um and that's gonna be norco season opener um san juan hills i believe they take on cypress this week in a pretty intriguing orange county matchup because last year cypress kind of definitely upset and opened some eyes by taking down San Juan Hills. Um, so that'll be interesting to see where San Juan Hills goes um, after that uh, that game against Santa Margarita. Hey, Scotty, last game we talked about last week and previewed was Capo Valley-Tustin. That was a Thursday night season opener. I took this game in at Tustin High School and was very impressed by one Capo Valley quarterback, Trey Kukuk, a senior dual threat. Um, he looked very good. Uh, Pass for 237 yards and one TD. He's playing without his top receiver, um, Dane Bennett, who's who's coming back in a few weeks from an injury. And and most impressively, Trey Kukuk, senior, uh, rushed for 189 yards and four touchdowns on just 11 carries, including a 90-yarder on a zone read play down the sideline. So speaking of guys that look faster and quicker, 
better. Trey Kukuk's running looked very impressive because he can scramble, he moves the pocket, he gets to the outside, he gets first downs, he, he's quick, and he'll turn the corner and rush it in. He's going to be a trouble for a lot of uh, Orange County uh, uh, defenses. So he, he definitely impressed, impressed me. He had one pick that did get returned, um, cost him a score. But um, I was in, impressed with one of his new receivers, um, Hunter Napoleon, is from uh, Washington. Um, he caught a touchdown pass, broke a tackle, and he really looked good. The other good news for Kappa, which is headed to that South Coast League, which has got Mission Viejo, um, San Clemente, San Juan Hills, we just talked about, and Tesoro, their their lines look pretty good, I thought. The Capo's offensive lines and defensive line look good. And Tustin's got a couple big linemen. So I think everybody in the South Coast League won their openers, including Capo. So that was good um, for Sean Curtis's team. But um, this game didn't really leave, live up to the hype. Like I said, it was Capo 45-13 and um, really dominated the second half. It was a pretty close game in, in, at, at halftime. But Sky, anything pick up? Uh, anything impress you on this game? No, just I mean, I think Capo did everything that they were supposed to do. Um, yeah, you know, like he's mentioned, Kukuk. That's he's going to cause problems for a lot of teams um, because, without a doubt, I mean, having that you know that duel, he's probably the most exciting player I think in the county. That's not a Trinity League player, hmm. um, and um, high praise there. Yeah, he, I, I think he is. I had him high on my. I know we you know when we don't talk, we didn't talk about it on on our, but I just had him higher in my my top fifty uh, players. Um, yeah. Despite him not being, you know, but he, you know, him not being playing against the a lot of bigger schools, and I know sometimes that's what people always want to look at, but um, you know, you can't deny his what what his his speed on. Uh, and his athleticism and uh hopefully you know he'll get his receiver back um but right now like you know until they get to that you know uh, south coast league play i think you know he's gonna they'll be all right without uh, i think uh uh, dane bennett's who's who's uh, his number one guy so we'll just have to wait and see on that one i'll give a couple other uh little player notes on capo valley like i was saying hunter napoleon Senior, uh, 6'4", 190, uh, good size. Uh, there's a sophomore linebacker I thought was very good outside linebacker, played a little offense too, is uh, Riley Walker. Uh, forced, uh, recovered two fumbles, forced one, um, very sound tackler. Um, kid to remember, about 5'10", 185, sophomore. Good tackler. Jackson Seavers, a lot of people know about him, linebacker. At Capo Valley Junior, pretty big junior linebacker, 6'1", 200. Capo, interestingly in this game, put him, lined him up outside linebacker slash defensive end, had him rush the quarterback at Tustin, and uh, that was kind of a, a no, that was a big matchup um, because they took advantage of Jackson's speed and his pursuit, and when they needed some big plays, he's able to get to the quarterback. Um, Tustin didn't really have an adjustment when they saw Jackson Seavers on the outside because he usually is a, everybody knows him as a middle linebacker and he was playing the edge in a pretty nice adjustment and um, I think it was Austin Flynn was a, a pretty active uh, linebacker hard hitting kid at Capo too they have some good linebackers um, at Capo so I was pretty impressed um, with what I saw from Capo 
And um, Tustin, they got to find their identity, as Coach uh, Anthony said. And for Tustin, they play Foothill in a big game this week. That's a big uh, OC game, rivalry game. And Capo takes on uh, Sunny Hills. So that should be an interesting game as well. All right, Sky. So, hey, pretty enter entertaining week zero um, as we broke down there, Scotty. And uh, great job, especially I, I think you did a great job capturing that that Olu game um, and some of your insight, of course, on the Santa Margarita game as well. So I um, hope everybody enjoyed some insight that we provided on the week zero. But, hey, we got we to gotta go to week one, uh, Scotty, because this week's game uh, are pretty fantastic. So I actually want to start with a team we didn't talk about last week um, as we are on you know the home of the Trinity League and the uh, Orange County Football Podcast. But we didn't start with – let's start with Bosco that's taken on Allen. Now, of course, Bosco heading out to Texas. That's a trip similar. Modern Day also went to Texas last year to uh, start their season. But Modern Day, uh, Bosco taken off. They're number one in the country by Max Preps. Like we said in the opening, Allen is 48 um, in the nation. But it's, it's Texas. Um, I think they're in the top 10, if I'm not mistaken, in the state of Texas. But they're kind of lacking a uh, big-name recruit there. Obviously, we know Bosco, they're loaded, got a lot of um, recruits. But, Scotty, what do you think about this game for, for Bosco? You know, hitting the road um, to start their season. Um, this game's going to be on Friday, 7 o'clock. Um, Allen's coming off an 11-3 season. Um, and, you know, Bosco's going to be on the road next week as well against Bishop and Mont. But right now, they're trying to represent California and that California Texas is always a heated rivalry when it comes to high school football. Yeah, I know this game initially was huge for the simple fact that it's, you know, again, Texas versus California. Um, and, you know, Allen has traditionally been a strong program. You know, they play, you know, you know, in the best high school stadium in the nation. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, for those of you who have not seen it, it's a gorgeous, doesn't even look like a high school stadium. It looks like a college, you know, I think it's like 18, somebody said 18,000, but it looks like it holds more than that. Um, you know, some will still find this a big matchup despite Allen, you know, being rated number nine in the state of Texas and 48 yeah. nationally in the updated poll. I think, you know, they actually dropped two spots, even though they didn't play a game. Um, so Allen does doesn't have any highly rated seniors, and they only have two rated juniors: an edge rusher and Zima Umazula. He's number thirty one overall in the twenty twenty four class, um, and uh, a quarterback, Michael Hawkins, who's the number eleven rated quarterback in the twenty twenty four class. So you know, I I'm not expecting for Allen you know to do much. I know they have some big linemen, they have size, but again, they're not highly rated. They have a, I think a four running back rotation um they did lose one of their a big running back i guess transferred out i was and that was supposedly gonna hurt them but um they have this four-man rotation but if they don't block it up front it's not gonna make um but i think bosco you know does what they came to do and um and do what bosco does uh in big games so yeah and this game is also a uh, part of the Tom Landry Classic. That's really what it is uh, part. And like you mentioned, Allen's uh, Eagle Stadium. So if you're looking to follow this game a little bit online, you can check out and look for the Tom Landry Classic. Um, there's Instagram uh, for Tom Landry Classic. And um, 
there's some other games. There's one other game as part of the uh, the following day. I believe there's another game um, for a couple other teams playing. So um, going to be pretty big. But I think um, Bosco is going to uh, open up pretty well, right? Yeah, I, I think they do. Um, you know, I, I you know it's it's like I said, you're also playing for those you know bragging rights. You know, because it's a Texas versus California, and you know, you'll probably get the Texas people complaining because, you know, you know it's not one of their better teams. You know, that's what we got last year with Duncanville. You know, so you know we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like I said, you know Bosco they didn't play last week. You know, they scored they scrimmaged Morocco um, this past week, and um, you know they're ready to go uh, take on Allen. Yeah. You know, we were talking off air, Scotty. You made an interesting comment as I bring up this next game. You all thought maybe this is more competitive a game and maybe a bigger game is this is games on Saturday, but uh, so I'm skipping one day ahead. But it's it's kind of a neighboring school of Bosco. But is the Los Alamitos American Heritage game in Florida, California versus Florida? Is that the bigger game? That's a four o'clock game Eastern. So one one o'clock Pacific, um, that game um, should be huge um, because Los Alamitos they're ranked like I said twenty fifth in the nation. American Heritage nineteenth. Um, this game you can catch on ESPN two coming to you from uh, Fort Lauderdale, and then of course you got Los Alamitos. With you know, arguably the top quarterback in the country, you can check out Malachi Nelson, who's uh, committed to USC. His outstanding receiver, Makai Lemon, um, he's also committed to USC. Um, uh, Malachi Nelson, they Los Al opened last week against a pretty weak Garces team from Bakersfield, forty-one um, nothing. But Malachi threw five long touchdown passes in that game: two to Gavin Porsche, two to Ethan. O'Connor. Interesting enough, Makai Lemon didn't catch a touchdown pass, and I think that's the best, you know, quarterback receiver duo in Orange County, Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon. But interesting with Los Al is they have a couple guys. If you look at the CIF Southern Section eligibility and transfer approvals on the website, T. A. Cunningham, the junior monstrous defensive end from transfer from Georgia, the number one ranked junior defensive lineman in the country. I believe he didn't play last week, and it says on the CIF website his status is inactive. Um, so there's more to find out about that. And then the another transfer for Los Alamitos, Damian Henderson, running back, recent commit to Colorado State. He's a transfer from Jordan of Long Beach. On the Southern Section website for Damian Henderson, it says, I think it says hardship. So those are some um, guys to... Um, that Los Al is going to need because if they could, they could use them, I should say, because American Heritage, I think, is ranked third in the state of Florida. Um, they have a lot of big-time guys, um, a lot of highly re, uh, ranked players in the state of Florida, which is obviously always a hotbed along with California and Texas. But their best guy might be Brandon um, Innes, who's a receiver committed to um, Ohio State. They have a, a quarterback, Blaine Murphy, who played well in their season-opening victory. Um, he's a Louisiana-Monroe commit. They have a cornerback, um, McNeil, who's committed to Missouri. They have another 
a couple defensive backs that are highly ranked and they have a good running back. This is going to be a tough game for Los Alamitos as they travel across the country. But what do you think about this game, Scotty? Is it, in fact, bigger and maybe a more competitive game, I should say, um, than the Bosco-Allen game? Uh, without a doubt, this one to me is more intriguing, you know, than the Bosco game. You know, you know, for the also simple fact that this will also tell us if Los Al belongs on that national stage, you know, going forward. Um, the American Heritage comes into this one as you, know, you mentioned, nineteenth ranked, um, and Los Al just moved in, in at twenty five. They destroyed Bakersfield Garces team forty one zero. You know, and Nelson toyed with the secondary. He threw for four hundred eighteen yards. He was twenty. Two out of 29, five TDs, four out of his five TDs were longer than 41 yards. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, American Heritage has, you know, some big time guys. They actually have two Ohio State commits, you know, Ennis yes. being one. Um, you know, he's arguably, you know, some rate him as the number one receiver. Um, some rate him as the number two receiver nationally, um, depending on who you look at or which site you look at. Um, and the other Ohio State recruit is uh, running back 6'1", 225, Mark Fletcher. He ran for 176 yards last week. Um, and then Ennis had six passes last week for 221 yards and two touchdowns in the open win over uh, Lotus Georgia team 38-20. And then they also got a 100-yard uh, game and six receptions uh, from a freshman receiver, T. Tony. So um, – you know, that, that's someone new, you know, to add to that mix. You know, and Lotus was the 12th ranked team uh, in Georgia to open the season. So, you know, then the intriguing matchup here is going to be who covers or how does LaSalle play in this? You know, I know we talked about in big games, LaSalle has used uh, Lemon and Ethan O'Connor. Um, but does that happen this week? You know, I know uh, freshman Gerard Terry has been playing DB for LaSalle since since the summer. Uh, I think he started in this game uh, against Grarses. Uh, does he go in this game, you know, or do they mix it up? You know, American Heritage balance will challenge LaSalle. Yeah, you mentioned um, their quarterback, Blake Murray Murphy, the Louisiana Monroe commit. He was 17 out of 23 for 398, four TDs. Um, and he's considered a three-star guy. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, you know, the DBs. So the the, the, the four, three, four-star DPs. Yeah. Uh, corners six one one eighty. Damari Brown. He's the twenty seventh rated corner. Thirty one offers. He's not committed anywhere. Then you got six three. Shamar McNeil. He's committed to Missouri. You mentioned that one. And then the safety six two one eighty. Uh, Damian Fagan. He's committed to NC State. So, you know, it appears, you know, American Heritage ha- have, they don't have, though, is big-time linemen, so that will it'll be interesting to see how that one fares. But it looks like both offenses were going to challenge each other, um, you know, as they both have that talent. You know, this is going to be a great test for that low-south defense. Um, you know, who knows, this one may be, you know, having, you know, you know an, an offensive output. But um, that's kind of is interesting that 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 big, you know, Cunningham um, T.A. is not uh, going in this one. I didn't know about that. So I think that's going to be interesting to look into. Um, But I know Losau does have some other talented defense alignment. And, you know, this is a big chance for them to make their mark. So, yeah. And obviously they played pretty good defense. I think that Garces team is kind of known for running the ball last week. Um, I think they, you know, keep it pretty. Um, 
pretty simple from a, a little preview that I saw on them. Um, but yeah, we got to see what's happening with uh, Damian Henderson. Like I said, listed as a hardship pending. Um, and Cunningham listed as inactive. Um, so we'll, we'll see what... Those are, you know, obviously T.A. Cunningham going back to his neck of the woods, um, so to speak. Uh, Georgia boy, um, I'm sure he wants to play in Florida on a national TV. So yeah, I expect some... Uh, SoCal and Orange County fans, some Trinity League uh, and Orange County football podcast people checking out, listeners um, checking out that game on ESPN on Saturday. So, um, so Scotty, another game flipping back to uh, to Friday, and that's going to be Modern Day headed back to the desert, headed back to take on Bishop Gorman. And Bishop Gorman, they're sixth in the country by Max Preps. Modern Day number two. Both teams won their opener. I know you're going to give us some insight on Modern Day's opener uh, coming off a shutout. But, um, you know, Modern Day's got some uh, history of playing really well um, in uh, Las Vegas because it wasn't too long ago. Uh, I think it was 2018, um, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, the last time Modern Day was out at Gorman, um, they won 42 nothing. Um, and that was at uh, at Gorman, and um, that was a pretty special season for Modern Day. Um, the vibe then was, uh, you know, there was a junior named Bryce Young um, playing in his second game, um, and he dazzled there with some uh, with a very spectacular um, scramble touchdown that uh, amazed everybody, where he eluded uh, the pass rush and scored like on a zigzagging forty yard touchdown that kind of highlighted that game. Um, and that was big for, um, that was a big uh, statement win for, um, for modern day because Bishop Gorman hasn't been shut out like that. Um, probably haven't been, you know, it was, it was a rare thing to, to be, um, Bishop Gorman, who I think was coming off a national title the previous season. They lost 42, nothing. And that modern day team went on to beat Bosco in the, uh, in the division one final. 17-13, and they, um, that was, that was a big, uh, you know, they, they won a state title, um, as well later, uh, against, uh, De La Salle, so that was a, uh, a big, uh, statement, and a big part of the journey was for modern day, and they're on a kind of different journey now, um, you know, as they're, uh, got a young defense, and a lot of some new faces on offense emerging, but, Scotty, what do you think of this, uh, you know, Modern day Gorman because uh, game because you know that Gorman's going to remember forty two nothing in two thousand eighteen and they're going to want to put up a better show uh, than they did at home last time. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, this one's going to be a different story. Um, you know, I think uh, you know the number six Gales, you know, come into this one with more accolades, you know, and big time players to back it up than the uh that last Gorman team modern day saw a few years ago you know this one's a heavy senior team with 10 seniors with scholarship offers you know they're led by you know Zachariah Branch who's you know arguably you know we talked about receivers you know as him being the number one receiver he's extremely quick uh he's USC uh commit um you know and you know I guess the other guys that they have are a couple of defensive backs Justin Rett he's committed to Georgia Jeremiah Hayes he's committed to LSU those are the, I think they're their three biggest big time players. You know, Gorman kind of reminds me of last year's Servite's offense, you know, in terms of their junior quarterback, Micah Alajedo. You know, he's Noah from 
uh, feet alike, same size, same release, very mobile. Um, he makes plays outside the pocket. And so Alejandro is a lefty. Um, the re- wide receiver branch isn't the you know not the same size as T Mac, but he's a playmaker. And then another guy that they also just got St. Louis transfer, Tretch Kekahuna. He's committed to Wisconsin. I think he's another one that can cause problems, uh, another quick slot receiver. So, you know, it's their defense that has the speed and quickness that's going to create havoc. You know, they put constant pressure on um, Corner Canyon, who they just played last week. They were the number 42-rated team in the nation, um, and they beat them 42-7 to in their opening win. Right. Um, though I, I didn't think too much of King, uh, Corner Canyon um, – you know, I'll have a little bit more in that, in that, you know, on them. But, you know, they um, – but a big loss that uh, Gorman has is they may have lost one of their top defensive players and linebacker, Boston College commit, EA Faloa. He kind of went – he went down with a shoulder injury, and then he was on the sideline in a sling. Um, but the Gales have more – you know, you know, to con- you know, for the monarchs to contend that they're going to contend with. You know, if there was a, I don't know, sore spot. You know, Gorman doesn't have the highly touted offensive line and defensive lines, though they do have two soft. They do start two sophomore linemen who are you know Max Preps All Americans, and they do have one commit. Zach Yamaguchi is committed to Stanford, um, uh, and then they only have one returner to their defensive line. And he's committed to Hawaii and uh, Aiden McComber. He's about six foot two sixty. Um, you know, Gorman pretty much manhandled Corner Canyon, as I mentioned. You know, you know, Corner Canyon's defensive front was about six two, two hundred pounds, and they were getting no pressure on you know Alejado, and it was he had all the time in the world. Um, plus, Corner Canyon played so deep off the ball that Alejado, you know, was hitting the crossing routes and dumping off to the backs underneath. Uh, or he scrambled for yards. Um, and offensively, they couldn't block, and they also lacked the overall speed. You know, But it will be contrasting look to what modern-day offensive line and defensive line and uh, defensive speed uh, for Gorman. Uh, there are a few keys to this game beyond the obvious keys that we always talk about um, because we always talk about the you know, line play, but it's also, I think, how does modern-day you know, play branch and the other receiver because I know – He's one guy, but he's so lightning quick. You almost have to bracket him, uh, make someone else beat you. Uh, I don't, you know, that's never been the modern day way. You know, they run their defense, they play man, they get after the QB. It's the same formula. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, you know what they do. You know, can't let the QB have time, but you better cover. Uh, you know, because those guys will be one step and they're gone. Um, you know, Gorman has a solid couple of solid backs with some good speed. Um, and if you don't watch Alejandro, he, you know, he can run too. Um, you know, for the other modern days offensive games, protect Elijah, you know, simple as that. Be interesting to see if the wide receivers can get open on these, uh, highly rated DBs. Yep. Um, cause I know in their win against West, modern day did have passing success. When you, you, you look, Elijah was again, he was 18 out of, I think he was 18 out of 26 for, you know, 290 something yards, um, but he looked a little different in the previous years. You know, it was a lot of nickel and dime, short passes. But then Elijah made a lot more out of the pocket throws than he has, than I've seen in the 17 games. You know, and two of them he connected for scores. You know, the whole line gave him time, 
but you know the receivers weren't open and then they had to get open but it was just something different that you know i hadn't seen before you know you know it's early in the season um you know deep you know we'll have to wait and see you know who the deep ball threat is going to emerge though marcus harris and jordan odomo both caught two deep balls um in last week's game you know i think modern day wants to control it with their run game mix it up with their pass game um, you know, like this one's, you know, a tale of two teams, Gorman senior heavy, modern day underclassmen dominated, yeah. you know, in these two types of games, you know, the experience and the senior related teams usually favor the youth, but, you know, you know, we'll see, I mean, modern day, you know, has been known to show up and play in the big games, but usually they're very experienced and, um, you know, this time it's a little bit different. So, but no matter what, this will be, I think should be a good game. Yeah. And great, great preview, uh, Scotty. Uh, and this game will stream on the National Federation Network, National Federation uh, High School of High School Sports Network. That's uh, NFHS Network. So that will be uh, something I will definitely be checking out on Friday night, 7 o'clock. So, Scotty, you bring up the defensive challenges um, facing modern day. So you're talking about a big uh, matchup for Zabian Brown at cornerback, would you say? And um, who else looked good on defense last week um, for modern day? So, yeah, so, so you know, Zabian and, and all the, you know, you know uh, Darius Dixon, who's at the other corner, uh, Christian Hawkins, you know, is playing some nickelback. Chuck McDonald's also in that nickelback mix. Jelani Davis is free safety. So those are guys going to be tested. They played pretty solid last week, but, um, you know, West didn't have much of a passing game. Um, but, uh, you know, Wyatt Dixon looked really good. I know we mentioned him about, you know, we yep. labeled him as, you know, Bailey 2.0, not as big, but he flashes. He's very quick. He had in the early going before they started rotating players, he had three tackles for loss, a batted ball down. I mean, very reminiscent to what Bailey, you know, did last year. Uh, Abdul Sanders, who's kind of, you know, him and um, Ramir Davis filling in for, for tenor. Uh, Williams did pretty good, uh, you know, nose guard, um, Tom, Tom, uh, he goes by Tom, Tom, um, Tahomi, Tahini, I know butchering his name and we'll get his name, but he played really good. He's the freshman that played, he started right. at nose guard. Um, he looked really good. And so did semi Tamaluga. He played really good off the edge. Um, and then there, there was your captain uh, uh, Leviticus Sua. He, I think, led. He had eight tackles in that in that game. Um, you know, so it's you know the defense is there, the speed is there. It's just you know, it's just they're just going to be you know uh, uh, challenged. So and yeah. uh, we'll just have to you know see you know what happens. Well, it's going to be a very good one. This could be, you know, maybe this will be the closest one of them of these three matchups. We'll be interesting which, you know, if you, we think Bosco is going to be. Predecisive against um, Allen. How will Losal hang with American Heritage? And then the way Scotty paints the challenge facing modern day Gorman. You wonder which one will be the closest of the of the three games. So um, what a great week of uh, football! Hey, and one more game to um, to kick out here uh, in week one, Scotty. Is how about um, Mod, uh, Mission Viejo? Who, which hasn't played since August 12th, I believe it is, against Milani, which is an interesting team because um, that's in Hawaii. That's a team that Modern Day is going to play um, later this season. But 
It was at you know, Mission Viejo won 34-21 against Milani on August 12th. Now they're taking on uh, hosting Servite on Friday. And that game, uh, Servite's coming off a pretty lopsided loss to Rancho Cucamonga. I'm not that, I wasn't that surprised that Servite struggled on the road against Rancho Cucamonga. I think we both know that um, Servite's really trying to reload. They lost a lot. Um, they have, they lost a lot of key transfers. They lost a lot of key seniors. They have some, a couple underrated, under the radar type transfers, but they're really trying to reload. Um, and it's going to be a tough process for them. So I wasn't too shocked, but this could be another tough game for uh, Servite um, that really handled uh, Mission Viejo last year. I think the Diablos will be looking for some big payback, and I think uh, Diablos are are you know definitely the, the favorite in this one. Yeah, this one you know it's it's, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I we talk about the Troy Thomas factor. You know, I don't need you know we. I don't know if that's even going to help right in this one. And when you lose, you know, like you said, those big time seniors and then your so-called returning top kids. Um, and then, and then all those guys leaving the mat, you know, and then you combine it, you know, having to go with the three man QB rotation. I mean, that's tough to find continuity, um, you know, having to then to take on a mission video team. We've all talked about, you know, resembles this, you know, the survey of this year, you know, with this three-year group of seniors with uh, Samanza, you know, Mikey Williams, Jackson Holman, and its host of returning senior defense. Um, you know, they all, like we said, I mean, they're coming off of that 34-21 win in Hawaii. Um, and, but the interesting thing is they jumped out 20-7 to at half, but then, you know, they played them to a 14-14 um, second-half tie. So that was kind of interesting. You know, I don't know. You know, the, I, I didn't dive into that one. Wasn't able to dive into it as much more. But just you know, when you look at that, you know, how, you know, was it? You know, did the guys get pulled? Did they only play those guys the first half? Yeah. You know, you know. But then, you know, can we? You know, and then look at Servite. You know, does does you know? In the end, you know, we're going to look at this. Does do they have that same Jay Sarah mystique? And we say that because of what Jay Sarah was able to do uh, when they were so down early on last year, you know, be able to bounce back each week, improving and then, you know, having to rebuild, knowing you had to rebuild your entire offense and defense, you know, this certainly, you know, doesn't have the same, you know, hype and, um, you know, as the previous years, but, um, you know, you know, you know, it's all you can do is just play the game and get experience and, and hope to improve and then uh, move on. Yeah, Servite coming off a 27-7 to loss at Rancho Cucamonga on Friday. They travel on the road again to Mission Viejo. And they're actually um, on the road the following week against La Mirada. Um, that game's going to be at Excelsior. Uh, that's uh, talking about the Friars. Um, and then... then so that La Mirada game definitely seems like uh, uh, you know a game that they can definitely win, um, but then they take on uh, Los Alamitos, the Friars do, and then they take on Helix, and then they open with Bosco in league. So it, the schedule is very tough, um, but kind of like how Survey likes it. They want to challenge. They're trying to get better, and that's how you get better is you put by playing better competition. But I think the Diablos um, could be pretty tough on them on Friday night. So. Scotty, I'm going to miss you in Vegas. Uh, we were together in 2018, hanging out in a Las Vegas casino um, hotel. Um, and we were uh, pregame hanging out, talking about um, high school football. That was a pretty uh, 
memorable part of my trip out there was hanging out with you in Las Vegas and um and that was uh and getting to see the Bishop Gorman Stadium and uh maybe um in right nestled up against the uh the desert rocks and cliffs and uh you can see the uh Las Vegas strip in the background. I I wish you having a fun trip out there, Scotty. Yeah, that's right. You know, I I will miss you out there. You know, that was you know, I enjoyed that trip. Um not staying in the same place, but, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, for all those, you know, who haven't, you know, seen the Bishop Gorman Stadium, it is probably the most beautiful backdrop stadiums around. I, I highly recommend you even just to come out for a game, you know, for if you're a high school football fan. Um, you know, I haven't, you know, I've seen, haven't, you know, in person, that's probably the best you know, you know, sight stadium I've seen. You're up on top of the action if you're not on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll you know we'll we'll I'll have a you know another good time there. But uh, yeah, miss you there. Hey, well, you're gonna have a great trip in Las Vegas, and this it is a great week for a lot of high school football pa- uh, fans because there's some great games like we said, California, Nevada, California, Texas, California, Florida. We're gonna. Have a fun time covering these games, and we're going to be back here next week on the podcast talking about all this uh, great week one action. So I definitely look forward to that, Scotty, and uh, great talking to you once again about this exciting week one. Yeah, you know, I, you know I'll be back uh, late Saturday, so, you know, then I'll probably have to, you know, try to find these games. Hopefully I'll be able to watch them all uh, later on in the week and then uh, have some breakdown for everybody. So Sounds good. Well, safe travels. And to you, Scotty, and for Scott Barajas, I'm Dan Albano, and thanks again for joining us on the Trinity OC Football Podcast.